Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as Scott Galloway's personal hero, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Fox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Scott Galloway, the co-host of my other podcast, Pivot. But he's back on Recode Decode today to talk about his new book, The Algebra of Happiness, Notes on the Pursuit of Success, Love, and Meaning. Here's how Scott says he defines happiness. Technically speaking, happiness is a sensation. And you can get happiness from Chipotle, Cialis, and Netflix. All those things will bring you short-term happiness. I think when we really talk about meaningful happiness, we talk about investments we make through the course of our lives and decisions and forgiveness we provide ourselves and other people such that towards the end of our life, we feel like we've built a narrative of satisfaction. We're also going to talk about why you shouldn't listen to successful people who tell you to follow your passion. Scott, welcome back to Recode Decode. Thanks for having me, Kara. I appreciate this. No problem. Listen... Yeah. Later on Pivot, we need to talk about the black hole. But right now, okay. speaking of black holes, I want to talk about your book. Thanks um, for that. So talk about how you can't—you've done how many books now? How many? Let me see. Including this one. Uh, two. Two. This will okay. be my second. Is it? The yeah. four was your one, right? Yeah, that was my coming out. Explain before. that one, what you were doing there. So my process is pretty straightforward. Uh, dean called me up to his office. And when the dean calls you and says, come upstairs, it's either very good or very bad news. And mm-hmm. he said, if you want to be taken seriously as an academic, you either got to publish or write a book. My process for books is I take what I think is my most popular class, mm-hmm. and then I do a video. And right. if the video gets traction, I write a book. And huh. so I did. A, I do a class called The Four, which looks at the Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google platforms. Mm-hmm. And you I started think, that a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I've been teaching that section now for five or six years. Because my feeling because is— Because it was early. You were talking about these issues of this power early. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm at the bottom of the scrum. Everyone yes. says you're piling on. I'm like, well, you'll no. find me at the bottom. So right. anyways— I talked to the kids, uh, 180 students, about these platforms and how powerful they are because the dirty secret of business school is the second year is just a way to charge them double tuition. We really don't need a second year. And if we were honest, <laughs> the second year would have four classes. But it's Amazon, a luxury bland. Luxury bland. bland. Luxury bland. It's yeah. a bland. You're it's right. a bland luxury If we were bland. honest and yeah. we cared about the kids' futures, we would just teach them four classes, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Because if you understand those four companies, uh-huh. you understand media, you understand business, you understand – anyway, so – and you, a, you assign them all a thing, like they each yeah. appealed to something, right, as I recall. Well, yeah, brain, brain, heart, gut, and genitals. Well, I think them? these things are instinctual. So Google is God. It's our 
It, we trust Google more than any super being. Uh, Facebook is at least the promise of love and connections. Yeah. Amazon is our consumptive gut. The more shit you have for less, the more likely you are to survive the winter. More for less is always the gangster business strategy. And finally, Apple says to the world that your kids are more likely to survive if you mate with someone who carries an iPhone than an Android because whoever's carrying an Android is a loser mm -hmm. who doesn't make a lot of money. All right. So those four things, instincts, marketing our class is very much based on kind of human needs, et cetera. Right. Anyway, so I did a video, got a million views, boom, book, right? Book, right? That's my test. And your premise of the four, your conclusion of the four. Oh, my conclusion is that w one step, a big giant step towards tyranny is when corporations meld with government. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what we have here is corporations that are becoming our de facto governments and right. have become so— City-states. You had exactly the right term. It's all gotten away from us. Mm -hmm. These things have gotten away from us. And when mm -hmm. they have 88 full-time lobbyists in Washington just for Amazon, when they're too complex to regulate and 93 percent of our lawmakers can't regulate them, we're in trouble. And I yeah. think we're—you know, it's there's trouble in Houston here. And, uh, you know, we you were saying this early. I was saying this early. And now everyone seems to agree, which is a good thing. So anyways, my last class and the most popular class— is a class I've badged the algebra of happiness. And okay. I think kids think— You're just say, trying to get the kids in there and get like a good Yelp score or whatever they do in college, right? <laughs> we don't have Yelp the scores. Yes, there are. What are you talking about? <laughs> yep, there's totally— Yelp Yeah, you, not Yelp, but there's things like that. Yeah, My kids showed them I'm to me. I'm not fucking Chipotle. I'm I just telling you. you anyway, I'm sure there's a score for Scott Galloway somewhere. Well, we got ratings up the I don't read them ratings. anymore because they hurt my feelings. Right, Anyways, well, but so I do this class called— feelings? I can't. Oh, the ratings are so brutal. Really? Oh, the comments are so brutal. So? I mean, they are because they're true usually, which really hurts. That's when right. you know they're they're correct. As you read mm -hmm. it, and you feel like you've been punched in the gut, and you're like, "Oh my god, that what must be care? true." What do you care? I I, I, I care a lot. Did I your want parents to be not loved. hug you enough? What I, see, I, this is where I think you're totally full of shit. Anyone <laughs> who claims not yeah. to care as much as you cares a lot. I really don't care. Twitter. When people say mean things about you on Twitter, and there's some truth or credibility, what no, they're saying, no, I say you're right. I go, you're right. That's well, right. you're much more That's evolved fair. than me. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, this I think the kids. Or else they say fuck you. But go there ahead. There you go. That helps. I'm good mm -hmm. at that. I've adopted that. So the kids come to business school. They think to establish domain and expertise and, and currency to to create you know to create economic right. security for them and their families. I think what they're really coming there for is the step to leading a, a satisfying uh, life. life and building right. a narrative of satisfaction. And so I go through a series of algorithms on trying to distill down my observations on. What is the difference between the people who are successful and happy and, and a lot of people I know who are very economically successful and not happy? Mm -hmm. And Where did you come to this idea to do this? Because it's a little bit off-brand for you, happiness. Sure. I struggle with anger and depression, and right. I want to figure out a way to manage it without drugs. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken it on as a personal kind of study and domain expertise to try and – or trying to develop – I read a lot about happiness. I read a lot about what are the signals and drivers of happiness because I – I'm blessed on a lot of levels, but I still find during most of the day, I'm generally pissed off. Mm -hmm. And I want to manage that. And I want to figure out a way to create create my scenarios and my opportunities and my blessings in line with my mood every day. And they're mm -hmm. not in line. They're not congruent with my right. blessings. Right. So, and many people have studied this. This is a big— It's a huge of, topic. It's, yeah. There's a lot of fantastic research. Mm -hmm. So uh, I take my observations. The, I did a tremendous amount of research. I try and distill it down to a series of, of algorithms and equations, and then I take them to the class, take them through the, these things. It's my most popular class. Mm -hmm. Like how many people go to it? Like every— Oh, well, I have 100, 100, between 120 and 180 kids in every class, but there will be people do like show up and they have to have security and, and, and not let registered students in. I mean, get, I do get a lot of people in the course, but mm -hmm. it's a low bar. A lot of the professors light up a room by leaving it. Some of the courses aren't that exciting. <laughs> um, 
So, and they're bored. They're trapped at business school. So they they Mm -hmm. show up. But I did a video, The Algebra of Happiness. I got 2 million views. Boom, that's my next book. Mm -hmm. So the first few chapters are these equations. And then I have a series. I do a Friday blog post where I talk a lot about my personal life, my mom, my kids, and mm-hmm. it's a series. I tried to string together those posts. So anyway, a lot of feels, Scott. A lot yeah, of a lot. Hold me, Kara. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen. Ever on this planet. You have hugged me. That's where I you're again. I have not hugged you. Oh, my God. You've so hugged me. I have so not You have so hugged me. It's one of those, like, distant hugs. You've a little pat-pat hug, You've maybe. literally hugged it's me. And I felt duress. triggered. And I felt triggered. Under duress, for sure. I felt triggered. But here's the deal. So, wait. Okay. So, it's the algebra. So, you think it could be done in this mathematical way. Why wasn't it the geometry or the calculus? It probably should have been. Calculus would have been I, like took the calculus, I just like that. I took it and failed it. I just yeah. think uh, algebra is a cool word, but yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Just so we talk about the mathematical idea behind it. Why algebra? Oh, shit, that you you're calling me become, out. No, I want to know okay. about this book. So you for example, to talk about your okay, book. fractions, and it's somewhat algebraic. Oh, right. it's more of an equation. But one of my first things the is equation of happiness. The ratio of time you spend sweating mm-hmm. to watching other people sweat is a forward-looking indicator of your happiness. So hmm. show me somebody who does physically souls. sweating. Physically sweating, okay. a, a, a release of norepinephrine. The, the, show me someone who does soul cycle three to four times a week, mm-hmm. and it goes to sporting events to be social or to, to like right. take their kids or do something interesting. I'll show you someone who's good at life. Show me somebody who watches ESPN two hours a night and then golf or football all day on Sunday. I'll show you a future of failed relationships in oh, anger. Oh, wow. And so I, think, I should be thrilled. I'm in soul cycle all the time, and I sweat a lot, but I think that's menopause. But keep going. <laughs> uh, I'm going to avoid that one. Okay, okay. so— but I generally believe we are happiest when we're when we're moving and we're around others. Okay. And there's a lot of research to back that up. And I think at some point we're going to decide that spectator sports are the new cancer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should allow yourself to engage in spectator sports for any more time than you actually spend sweating yourself. I hate game. I hate watching sports. You know that. Yeah, I'm I not call into it sports either. Ball. Yeah, it's I'm not. I'm the only lesbian in America who doesn't like watching sports. Really? Yeah. Lesbians are into sports. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I didn't not know that. Not this one. So, uh, but technically, that's an equation. I, you know, there's, I think there's uh, uh, three key components that make a good uh, relationship with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, I think it's one, obviously, physical attraction. I think a tra- sex and affection are sing- kind of connote your relationship as singular. Two, I think values that mm-hmm. pe- young people never discuss are how close are we going to live to your parents? What mm-hmm. is the role of religion in our life? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we think about politics? How, what's our view on the number of kids? And then the third thing that people never want to talk about because it's crass, but it's the biggest source of divorce, is your values around money. How much money do you think we're going to make and spend? What lifestyle, what weight class do you expect us to live in? And who's going to contribute to that? Who's responsible for it? Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, young people pick the relationships mostly on the first. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, he's cool, she's hot, whatever. I'm attracted to this person. Right. Um, and they don't focus on numbers two and three. A bunch of them. Uh, nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. So I mm-hmm. think that's— the, well, Let me ask you. So sure. using the title, The Algebra of Happiness, you said yep. you're, you're, you're pushing out the idea that there's a formula there's for this. There's a formula, And yeah. that there's a solution, Which is probably wrong. Right. Right? There's probably no user's manual. I think there are signals and best, practice, mm-hmm. best practices. And I also want to acknowledge that there are some— uh, forms of depression that require outside medical intervention. Mm-hmm. It's not like read this and be happy. Right. These are this is uh, the the tagline is observations on the pursuit of success, love, and meaning. Right. And I say observations. Observations. I have no academic credentials here, mm-hmm. and I have no medical training to right. talk about this. I can only say these are my observations, and I've done a decent amount of research. But yeah, there's no user's manual. I talk a lot about the importance of money in people's lives, mm-hmm. and for some people, they have decided that their path to happiness doesn't involve a lot of money. Right. And I get that. 
majority of the kids I, I'm around are in business school, are very focused. For example, I do a survey. What percentile do you expect to be in in terms of bank income in it, earning? And what percentage would this you say? in class. In class, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I ask them how much money they expect to be making in 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And almost all of them expect to be in the top 1%. I mean, literally right. like five of them who've decided I'm going to go work for Charity Water or Teach yeah. for America give a salary, and they're in the top 1%. And the reality is, I think, one of the one of the learnings is, if you expect to be in the top 1%, you need to acknowledge that balance is a myth in your 20s and 30s. I don't mm-hmm. know anybody. I mean, everybody knows I should back up. There's always one person that's such a genius and so good at what they do that money just kind of falls into their lap. Yeah. They have a great relationship. They're great looking. They get along with their parents. They, they volunteer at the ASPCA, and they have a food blog. You <laughs> should assume you are not that person, right? <laughs> And the majority of people I know that have managed to get to a certain economic weight class without inheriting that money mm-hmm. pretty much give up their 20s and 30s for work. And we right. pretend to kayak and we pretend to be really interested in some philanthropy. Do you pretend to be- kayak, Scott? I, kayak. I am a kayak pretender. <laughs> do you wander around with no, a paddle no, around CrossFit. the streets of Manhattan? <laughs> and and you, know, you know how you know if someone does CrossFit? Yeah. They oh. tell you. <laughs> I do CrossFit, Kara. Right? Um, uh, there's a lot of CrossFit people in Silicon Valley. But did you have a lot of balance in your 20s and 30s? You're successful. I worked a lot, but I love work. I love it. Well, I'm okay. So that's, happy. You're blessed. You got to do something you like, which it. takes me to another, another yeah. myth or truism. I think it's total bullshit when people tell you to follow your passion. I think oh, it's really? total bullshit. Uh, the majority of the speakers... At Stern, have one thing, two things in common. They're usually billionaires. Mm-hmm. You know, you billionaire, come talk to us. Right. And two, they end their speech with "Follow your passion," which mm. is usually being preached to by a guy who's on stage who made billions in iron ore smelting. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is, y- your job isn't to find your passion, but to find something you're good at and then invest in it and become great at it. Yeah, and I think that's true. That's true. You know what my passion was? What's that? Architecture. Really? I love architecture. I wanted to be an architect. I took it courses since I was in high school. Well, Stuff writing like, has a structure. Harvard. No, no. Here's the thing. Yeah. I was a shitty architecture student. I was terrible. Everything I designed, I loved right. the drawing and the precision of it. I loved the whole, the T-squares and stuff. I wasn't, and I was very acknowledging that I wasn't good. Everything yeah. I designed was ugly, nice. and I knew it. And so I thought, okay. I would love to do this, but I'm actually good at this other thing. And right. I remember thinking, I can't do that because it would have been ugly. I would have, it would have been a series of ugly homes that I designed for people who didn't like them. But this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a thesis yeah. and you tell me I'm wrong. Right. You started in journalism and you were good at it. Maybe not great yeah. at it, but good at it. What? And then you worked at it the and best. you became great no, at it. I was it. right. I, was, I won the award my freshman year. I there was, you go. There I you was go. the best Only you. Beginning. All right. You no, were, I won the Bun Award at oh, Georgetown. I was a freshman. Go. It was a senior award. We go. I won the. I had the best buns. Oh God. Okay. Anyways, yeah. so That's most people. I have a most people still. Find, I wear it sometimes. Most people find find something they're good at. Right. Invest right. and become great at it, yeah. and then the accoutrements, psychological reward, money, uh, you know, respect that come from being great at something will make you passionate about whatever yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a gift with numbers and you understand tax law, uh, the best tax accountants in America. A, get better health care, get more money, and have a broader selection set of mates and marry people better looking and more interesting in them. And you mm-hmm. can be passionate about achieving all those things. Mm-hmm. But the problem with telling kids to pursue their passion is that when they hit a roadblock and shit gets real at work and it gets hard, they think, oh, this must not be my passion. I should find something else. Right. No, that's called work. Right. So you don't, you don't want to hate it. You can't mm-hmm. hate what you do. I don't think you can be great at anything you hate. But if you have some aptitude at it, you can become great at it. And then, then I promise you're going to— All right, more formulas. Like, these studies that you looked upon. Um, okay, the race. The next thing we're going to talk all about your obsession with the internet ruining everybody's feelings. But anyway, there you go. Um, okay, the ratio. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it, your perception of good things and your perception of bad things is always exponential to what the reality is, and that's a fancy way of saying nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is really important because there will be moments in your life where you're killing it mm -hmm. and you're doing really well. And what you have to realize is that's not your fault or it's not entirely your fault. It's a function of the environment, the market's being right. way up. Mm -hmm. And when you start believing that this really is good and I am really great, you, you, be, you stick your horns out too far, you become too risk aggressive, and the market has a way of regressing you to the mean and really hitting you hard. At the same time, when bad things happen to you, um, you also have to realize it's not entirely your fault and it's probably not as bad as you think. And when something, you know, we all have bad things happen to us where that night we're just a, we're just a chocolate mess, mm -hmm. or at least I do. And something that's comforting for me is I realize nothing's ever as bad as What's it seems. What's a chocolate mess? I'm sorry. Staring at the ceiling, upset, okay. can't think about anything, nervous, anxious, don't yeah. want to eat. That's how I'm a chocolate mess. Anyways, that's you don't recognize that. No. Anyways, there you go. Yeah, you're... You just you just go hit a hit a speed bag or something. Anyways, um, no, I just go. Oh well, collect more medals for no, your journalism. I'll explain my theories later. But let's talk about yeah, yours. I like that. It's all, all surround, death is the is the is the way I motivate myself. Uh, are you an atheist? No. But, but why would I be an atheist? Why would I know? It's okay, like, I'm agnostic. Well, How's that? Agnostic. I don't agnostics know. are closeted atheists. No, they're not. Agnostics I don't. No, no. Are agnostics are atheists who are wimps. No. Come out of the no. closet and say I'm you're not an, an atheist. atheist. I'm not. Agnostic. Free to be you and me. That's such Do you bullshit. You know what? Sometimes I look at the moon and I think, God. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, a, but, okay, so, but uh, is, your, is it because you have a finite nature of life? I think this is Yes, important. I'm very right. aware of the end. Our mortality. Yes, my dad died when I was little, and it gives you a lot of... And it's coming faster than we think, Absolutely. Right? I'm very aware of every second. And it makes you more deliberate. It makes Absolutely. you more appreciative. Makes and you it more also, grateful. when things turn bad, I'm like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, it's not, it's not that big. At the end of my life, it's probably not, not going to be something deal. I think a lot. Another thing, um, you know, life isn't about what happens to you. Mm -hmm. It's about the way you react to what happens to you. Like, mm -hmm. I think Donald Trump is genuinely a, probably a pretty happy guy. Yeah. And he's mastered the ability to be a terrible person and have terrible things happen to him and still not let it affect him. Now, that probably right. means he's a sociopath. Yes, that's, I was just going to go there. But I think a little At bit of that— At least a narcissist yes. personality disorder, but, but possibly little, moving over to sociopathy. But a little bit of it is recognizing, okay, when bad things happen to you, yeah, this is bad, but but most people, if, if older people— the, the one piece of advice older people would give to younger people when mm -hmm. they survey them is the—what do you think it is? What do you think the one piece of advice older people would give to their younger selves? You're going to die. <laughs> That's actually part of it. It's okay. it's that's probably the root of it. Mm -hmm. But it's they wish they'd been less hard on themselves. They wish they'd been more forgiving of themselves. They wish they'd been less hard on themselves. And they said, "Yeah, this was when this happened. When I screwed up, it was bad. But in the Doesn't big matter. picture, it wasn't that big a yeah. deal. And yeah. I wish I hadn't given myself such a well, hard time. Well, this was a hard time. I, when I was when I'm talking to students or younger people, they're they're on such an achievement wheel. Oh, yeah. I'm like, get the off hamster. the achievement. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the spinning wheel. It doesn't wheel. matter. You're not, it's not going to get you any faster, and pleasing people is really not going to do Yeah, it. losing the script. So, right. I mean, a bunch of things. Um, but they've been trained that way. Did you get into this high school? Getting this, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, and it's important, and I call this section losing the script, that you're on this wheel. Get to a certain level of economic security, and you can always raise your lifestyle to consume all the money you make. And you get to a point in your life where you may have some economic security— but you haven't invested in relationships. You haven't figured out what really makes you happy. And I have a, I know a lot of people in my life who are economically secure but not very happy. Mm -hmm. And another ratio in terms of economics, what is rich? Rich is having passive income greater than your burn. My dad makes $48,000 a year with Social Security and his pension. They spend forty. they They're rich. I have a lot of friends in New York. I imagine you you who do too that make between $1 and $3 million a year at managing directors of Credit Suisse or managing edge funds. 
And they spend all of it between their ex-wife, their alimony, their house in the Hamptons. They spend all of it. They're poor, and I think they're under tremendous stress, one, yeah. wondering when the music's going to stop. Just wrote me that. Someone very wealthy in Silicon Valley just wrote me that, that he was depressed because he— it's frightening. Too much. It's frightening when I was you like, stop buying so much. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's well, you know, young people, kids focus on their income, adults focus on their burn. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out how you get to a point where you almost have passive income greater than you that is that's the definition of rich. Dad, he's rich if he has extra money left over. Doesn't need to work. Right. Does, yeah. Has no stress in his life. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a yeah. peace and a dignity in that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know uh, basics like your the perception that people think that things will give them is always overrated. The happiness you get from stuff. You overestimate, and we underestimate the happiness we'll get from experiences. So, right, the that's news the there, condo thing that's going on. One hundred percent. The news, news there is about, drive a Hyundai and take your husband to Africa. Right. I mean, yeah. so there's just some what basics. Kind of car do you have? What kind of car do I have? Oh, I have ridiculously fat cars. I have a well. So, here, what are you doing? You're not taking your own algebra. Yeah, but I'm insecure, device. and I'm in I'm in the midlife crisis that I'll grow out of in about what car forty years. <laughs> Again, I have a Ford Fiesta. I know. I love yeah. that. It's a turbo, though. I've heard it is a turbo. It that's, is the that's, well, that's the I'm, mojo in you coming out. That's the mojo. I'm it anyway. I'm giving the money Give, to Jared. I just want to be at the Ford dealership <laughs> when someone says the weakest flex in the world. Put a turbo on that Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally like that is the weakest flex <laughs> in the world. You know, it's a very oh fast God. car. You know, someone, oh Peter God. Kafka borrowed it and was making fun oh of me. And then God. after he drove it, he's like, oh, I see. It's very oh fast. Oh, God. That's it's a just, lovely little car. This is ridiculous. I wanted a Mazda 3, but they oh don't sell God. them in this country Put extra anymore. cheese on that Big Mac. <laughs> no, I, mean, it's just no, like, I wanted a Mazda 3 because it's yeah. a sporty little car. And it, they didn't sell These it in this country. the worst brands shift. in the world. No, it's a great car. Mazda's like, Mazda's literally the I worst brand Mazda. in the world. I have a Tesla. I have a big Mercedes truck for all the kids and dogs. And I'm about to buy a Mercedes new. truck. Yeah, the GL 550. Oh, it's so gangster. Oh, no, it's not. I'm an ambassador of the family. No. Hello. <laughs> Dankeschön, baby. Bitte. That's right. We're here with Scott Galloway, whose new book is called The Algebra of Happiness. After a quick break, we'll talk about social media and how Silicon Valley is making people into a bunch of sad and angry addicts. We'll also talk about how to create meaningful relationships with the people in your life and why people who care for others live longer. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, we're here with Scott Galloway. His new book is called—he's also the co-host of my other podcast, Pivot, which is rising in the ranks. It's very popular with the people. Risen. risen. We've risen, Carol. No, i got to tell you, people come up to me all the time to talk about you. It's really weird. Do they? It's wearying. Wait, what, are, um, what is he like? Oh, yeah. What a thrill. <laughs> 
What a thrill. And I go, he's an asshole. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, and they're like, fine. really? And I'm like, no, he's fine. You know what I say? I just say, I come up to people, I point at them, I'd spin, and I go, Scott, Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> That's my move. It's That's a my move. move. Yeah. Anyway, we Hard have to this believe kind of I was podcast a in which I was you're very good at. Po- so, one of the things you've been talking about on the podcast, yeah. and this gets into this book, The Algebra yeah. of Happiness, is how unhappy social media makes you yeah. and technology. Yeah. So, talk, did you write about that? What, 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 well, talk sure. about that. So, we have, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty basic. We have a fantastic instinct, a competitiveness gene that's a, a key to evolutionary progress, and that is we have a tendency to anchor off the most successful person we know. Mm-hmm. In, in your instance, it's you among all your friends, of course. So, yes, it is. But the problem is there's usually or almost always someone more successful than you on different dimensions, mm-hmm. and it bums you out that you aren't them. And right. that's, that's important to, for competitive, um, for improving you know, the evolutionary cycle, but it also can make you unhappy. And what we have with social media is we have essentially something, especially Instagram, where it's constantly being rubbed in your face, mm-hmm. sort of FOMO. I had it last week to a point, a friend of mine, this woman I know, I use the word friend loosely, I just know her, was literally Instagramming every 30 seconds her tickets and her experience at the Game of Thrones premiere. Oh, no. I would have literally killed somebody <laughs> to go to that. I would have like, <laughs> give me someone's name. Give right. me someone names. Okay. Know next time. And I thought, okay, I'm old enough to modulate this. If I was 17 year old, I'd be self cutting and you know in my Aren't room. You, see, now I would think the woman who did that's just a loser. I'm like, well, what they is are. Wrong? We're all, but, but there's two and a half billion losers right now. Okay, a, there's a billion losers on Instagram. Well, all making no, each other I get feel it like because shit. it's performative. It's performative. I was thinking of doing a whole thing, and I did it a little bit on Instagram of really ugly things, like yeah. really unhappy things. Like I did a I did a picture of a bag of pee in San Francisco, of which you can find a lot of places. Yeah. Um. All kinds. I did all kinds of. Cola guard. I always thought you should do an Instagram real life. Yeah. This is my real life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think exactly. So I thought it was, and it was people like, hey, that's not cool. I'm like, yeah, I think it's pretty I, cool. I was like trying to do it. Yeah. See, I think I was going to do, I was going to do a, a, a holiday card with my kids where we're like smoking and, and littering and shit like that. You know how you get those cards <laughs> from people? I did one like, with my cat as the baby we're Jesus. We're not recycling properly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I did one with my cat as the baby Jesus. Oh, that's mocking cute. That's, a cu- that's cute. I want to do something unpleasant. But so Instagram. So go ahead. So Instagram. Okay. So uh, fear of missing out. Right. These companies are biomechanically addicted to us. If constant feedback, you, random, not, or, not random, random words. You're not, oh, come on. Twitter is your my Twitter smoking. is, but it's not because it's you not because I, I don't feel bad on it. Inst- I don't Instead of taking a smoking break, you and I check Twitter. But it's Twitter. not performative. I, that, I think Instagram is very different because it makes you see glimpses of people live where they're yeah. always happy. Like yeah. that and kind rich, of thing. And, and rich, whatever. But and I don't believe a word of it, you know, essentially. Yep. Except for some of the puppy shots are cute. Yep. But George Conway's dogs, John, his corgis. Oh my God, the corgis. <laughs> I knew I'd get take you off track with that. I love that. You should have seen Kara Switcher's shoulders just went down like, oh, I uh, love them. I love them. No, I don't love, love the corgis. I like that George Conway, Conway will like trash Trump and then show corgis. corgis. I like yeah. the entire juxtaposition. Now that's the chocolate and peanut butter of yeah. social media. Social yeah. media does have some redeeming qualities. But uh, I mean, then you have these algorithms mm-hmm. that are not, they're not benign. They're not malicious. They're just trained to figure out more engagement to create more clicks and more Nissan ads. And they figured out that our species, the key to engagement is enragement. Mm-hmm. And so you're likely to find if you go on and try and have a substantive conversation and or you have any sort of political views or views about anything in social media, that the algorithms will likely take you to places of rage more often than you would without them. Mm-hmm. Watching All in the Family or She's the Sheriff or even the Kardashians, it may make you like you need to shower after watching them, but they don't mm. enrage you. They don't right. say, we purposely figured out a way to biomechanically piss you off. Being on screens you know, this much time, te- teenagers, less time with their friends, 
I mean, this stuff's getting, it's, I do think there's an emerging mental health crisis, especially among our teens, emergency room visits up 120%, especially among young girls, because we're in an era where we don't like, to, we don't like to acknowledge there's a difference between boys and girls, but there is. Boys bully physically and verbally, girls bully relationally, and we've armed, armed them with nuclear weapons in the form of social media to mm -hmm. make other 16-year-old girls feel like real shit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I, I think we have absolutely no understanding or little understanding of how much damage is being done to our youth with these weapons. And I don't think we have anything resembling gun control. Right. In that way. In yeah. that way. We also don't have gun control. There you um, go. Yeah. Well, well, you know what's likewise, interesting? We also and don't it have does gun enrage. Control. I think even even the, the, the that murderer in New Zealand, he was that was part of it is becoming yeah. amped up on on that and and being unhappy and and, and venting. It's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Some and sometimes venting is a good thing, right? Because you're like, oh, you're mad. You're gonna like video games, for example. Yep. Are they damn? It's, you know, there's, there's no evidence they result in violence. Right. So it, it could be venting. They could yeah. be who knows? You know, there's yeah. lots of different feelings on that. Obviously, yeah. there's lots of different studies. But they, all these guys, all these wackos, kind of fit the same profile. They're usually young, disconnected, Screen. socially frustrated, on social media, young young men mm -hmm. who have access to assault weapons. I mean, right. that's on social media. It was a, yeah. it's really interesting that a lot of them do use the internet quite heavily. Like and all kinds of signals. Not on video social media. games. The internet. It's a really interesting. Yeah, they, they, supposedly there isn't a link they can uh, between video games and these mass shootings. So far, they mm -hmm. haven't made a connection. You know, Northern European Northern Europe, where they overindex in video games, don't have mass shootings. But anyway. Anyway, so 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 when you when you have this algebra of having this, yeah. what do you? What is the prescription then to, to do with that? Is because it would, and what, what responsibility does the tech companies have in that? Well, uh, Because it's addiction for one, but it's sure. more than that. It's not just addiction. It's something else. Yeah, my, it's my, behavioral my, modification is what it is. I think I, that's what I, I don't talk Whitaker a lot about. I don't, I don't talk. I took a break from tech with the book. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a lot about, I mean, and this is, this is kind of the money shot. This is the net-net, and every major study shows the following. If there's one key signal— or indicator of happiness, it comes down to a very basic thing, and okay. that is the the number and depth of meaningful relationships you have at work. Analog you, relationships. Analog, yeah, okay. yeah. At work, do you feel respected and admired? And just as importantly, do you respect and admire other people mm -hmm. among your friends? Do you feel a sense of camaraderie and joy? And and just as importantly, again, do you get that sense that they sense camaraderie and joy from you? And then finally. You know, with your family, do you feel a sense of real meaningful love and support? And do they get that from you? And it, that is, it comes up number one in every study. And it's not easy. It doesn't happen naturally. It requires investments. One of my equations is supposedly the most powerful force in the universe, according to Einstein, is compound interest. You know, Explain these, that, please. Well, you put uh, so put a dollar, put a thousand bucks in a bank account when you're 25. Boom, it's forty thousand when you're 65. Mm -hmm. If you had this magic box, how much money would you put in it? I think the same holds true with relationships. Those little text messages, those little those efforts to go to your high school reunion, those efforts to check in on people, those efforts to congratulate people when something good happens, those efforts to check in and tell them you're sorry when you hear about something bad happening to them. They're these tiny little investments, and then you wake up as, as someone our age, and you have really meaningful relationships. Does it matter where they come from, whether it's text or in person? Or it... <sighs> I'm not an expert on that. Okay. I think our digital age does afford us a lot of opportunity to touch people in meaningful ways, even if it's not in person. But, yeah, nothing beats in person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's definitely a relationship between teens and depression and how much they see their friends. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and then the, the other interesting finding, and I talk a little bit about this, and this is more of a do- as I say, not as I do, 
But you know what the number one signal of unhappiness is, according to the Harvard Grant study? No, I do not. Um, the number one thing that was prevalent in men who had kind of come off the tracks, and of course the study tracked 400 men, which gives you sort of a, 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 a insight into what we were thinking about in 1929. We didn't give a shit about women's happiness. Right, we right. just tracked 400 men. Yeah. Anyways, that the number— That a huge surprise to women. Because... I know, that was a shocker, right? <laughs> is the number one thing that was most prevalent in men who were consistently unhappy was alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that young people take stock of their relationship with substances. When I first moved to New York, I worked at Morgan Stanley. And every night I'd go out and get shitty drunk with what felt like other successful people. And it made me, you know, I think not studying at UCLA made me a mediocre banker, but I think drinking and alcohol made me a mediocre person. I lost contact with a lot of people. I wasn't very productive. I wasn't very healthy. But I was a highly functioning semi-alcoholic. I mm -hmm. still worked for a premier investment bank. I was making a lot of money. Right. Uh, drinking for me helped me socially, helped me bond with other people. Sure. And I took stock of it and said, okay, I just need to stop drinking. Now, a lot of people don't do that, obviously. Stop drinking or a lot yeah, of people would? Yeah. Stop drinking. It's really yeah. interesting. I don't drink at all very much. I, every I think you need to start, occasion. though. See, I think no, because I you. like to observe people drinking. It's really interesting. It I, I, I think I can count on my hands the well, times I've Spoiler been alert, they act like fucking idiots. No, but I watch. It's very, it's a great time to observe people, I have to say. And I how believe, much they drink and stuff like that. And it, not because, yeah. because I, obviously people have deep problems with alcoholism yeah. and stuff like that but and it's and and the, the stuff is made to do that like yeah. it's like it's the same thing with pot or, or weed or anything else um and it's just an interesting it's interesting to watch in terms of people that aren't alcoholics but use it in other ways you know what i mean yeah. that, that are damaging in a way that's well it lubricates a lot of things yeah. and I, I i actually would argue i i advise my friends when they go on dates to just make sure you have a couple of drinks but which is probably the wrong advice but you know. But looking glasses, looking glasses into people's souls, I think mm -hmm. are one how they behave drunk. Because I think you become more like yourself when you're drunk. Oh, and, interesting. And I think when people become mean, some people can mean become mean yeah. drunks. That's oh, a yeah. really negative indicator. I have and gone also, out with some mean drunks. And also how they treat their pets, I think, is a really interesting look into who they really are. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, absolutely, alcohol is a key test of someone's character, mm -hmm. how they behave when they're. Fucked up, and then and then now weed, obviously, and and stuff like that, vaping, all these other stuff yeah. that's going on. I find marijuana, and again, I find marijuana is a great way to relieve stress in moderation. And you know, I'm a big. I, I didn't. I smoked a lot of pot of college, and I gave it up for thirty years. And I find as I get older, and I don't want to drink as much alcohol because I can't. I literally can't handle alcohol mm -hmm. now. I don't know how we start talking about cannabis, okay. but I find marijuana. I there you go. I find it's actually a great way to relieve stress in mm -hmm. moderation. That's interesting. I've, I've done some podcasts with Michael Pollan and stuff like that, yeah. talking about all those things in terms yeah. of making people happier, like using LSD and stuff like that. Microdosing and yeah, flow it's and all it's that. It's a big thing in Silicon Valley, yeah. but they're doing it because they're egomaniacs. But this is, and they think Yeah, I think with a new thing. Yeah, it's a new I, thing. I think it is interesting. Ayahuasca? Though. What's yes, this shit? Ayahuasca, yes. And they say, you throw up and they say, I'm not doing anything where you throw up. Yeah. I've been invited to do ayahuasca quite a bit. Well, of course you have. Not ever going to happen. <laughs> of course. You, I'm going to do a lot of heroin about the week before I die. <laughs> okay. Supposedly that's <laughs> right. the real gangster All drug. Right. Okay. So so getting back to, to what you were writing about, yeah. in this modern age, yeah. how has it changed from before, this idea of, of how you get to happiness? Well, I think you just— And also, uh, what is happiness? What is— I, you know, I think happiness, so the, again, the, the title probably shouldn't be calculus, and it probably shouldn't have been happiness, because technically speaking, happiness is a sensation. And you can get happiness from Chipotle, Cialis, and Netflix. All those mm -hmm. things will bring you short-term happiness. Mm -hmm. I think when we really talk about meaningful happiness, we talk about investments we make through the course of our lives and decisions 
and forgiveness we provide ourselves and other people such that towards the end of our life, we feel like we've built a narrative of satisfaction where the pendulum will swing up and it'll swing down, but it's on a higher plane because we have established a lot of deep, meaningful relationships. We've had a lot of moments that stop us in time. For me, the moments that stop me in time and that I try and have more of is moments of real like emotion with my kids or mm -hmm. observation about wonderful things with my kids. It happens sort of randomly. And that makes me eternal. It stops me. I'm in the moment. I'm eternal. I'm here for a reason. And it, I, I fast forward to the last time I'll look into my kids' eyes and knowing our relationship's coming to an end because I am an atheist. And I'll think, okay, I checked that box. I was here for a reason. I was just a mm -hmm. blink, but the blink matters. And so it's how do you put yourself in a position to have more of those moments when you have really deep, meaningful, emotional moments with people you care about, with people who care about you. I, right. think, I think that's, at the end of the day, that's, Except, that's the You know, one of the things that, that's, that's probably loneliness is on the high, people living oh, alone, gosh, people huge. not, not, it's really interesting. Those, stati those statistics and those numbers are really fascinating. And of course, there was yep. the no sex numbers that came out the other day, but I think those are maybe a little hyped. Um, that shit's crazy. Yeah, but the, the living alone and being lonely, is, I think, is the number one. It'll in be, this country, particularly, especially, it. yeah, it's it's really it's maybe uh, Russia. It's, They're it's, always miserable. You know, everyone calls everything an epidemic, but mm -hmm. the number, look, it, we're more connected, but we feel less connection, right? right? And uh, when I first moved, when I was living in San Francisco, I was working in e-commerce. I was married. I was working around the clock, and I just found I didn't like myself. I didn't like my friends. I hated e-commerce. I hated venture capitalists. Mm -hmm. I hated feeling Whoa. like I was on that whole it's money a lot train. Of yeah, a lot of hate, a lot of angry, a lot of self-hate. And so I decided to press the reset button, got divorced, moved to New York, quit my job, resigned from the board of all these companies and joined the faculty at NYU. And I literally just went on an island. And I would leave my, I would basically leave my loft just for food, sex, and occasionally to go to the ready teller. And mm -hmm. I did that for like 24 months. And this instinct kicked in that if you don't start engaging with people again, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and there's evidence that if you aren't engaged with other people, uh, you know, the hormone that goes out to clear out the bad cholesterol stops secreting. And if you want to see a man die fast, just have him live alone. Mm -hmm. Men don't survive when they live on their own. Yeah. Women are better because they maintain social connections better than men. Right. But yeah, happiness is engagement and, and not only that, longevity, right? Uh, blue Zones, a fantastic book, basically said that the number one indicator of someone- Explain what a blue zone is. Blue Zone is there's an area in Italy, Osaka, the San Ysidro Valley, and somewhere in Greece where people have abnormally high likelihood of making of becoming centenarians. Mm -hmm. So fast going. They may to, be miserable centenarians. <laughs> that's right. They're, I, I think a lot of people literally live to a hundred because they're you, so pissed off. Their anger keeps them going. I ran into two people the other day. A friend of mine's parents are, are 92 and 96. They, I had a ball with them. They yeah. were so happy and literally just. Having a great time. Great time. And were they spouses, 1996? Oh, that's nice. That's years. a nice They're story. About 50 or 70 years, 75 years married. Three indicators of your longevity. The number three is genetics. Everyone thinks it's number one. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's less important than you think. Okay. Right? Because right. we all want to abdicate our health and treat our bodies like shit and not worry about it because mm -hmm. Uncle Joe lived in 95 smoking a pack a day. That's right. wrong. I hate Number this two, genetics less important. Number two is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And you can summarize it down to like, don't be obese and don't smoke. Yeah. And I'm not trying to fat shame, but you're obese, you're probably going to get diabetes and die early uh, or die earlier. And smoking is the largest, you know, the biggest preventable form of early death. 
But the number one signal, the number one, you know, think driver of you're likely to make it to 100 is how social you are. Or put another way, kind of how many people do you love? Mm -hmm. Care caregivers live longer. When your parents move in with you, you live another two to three years. New mothers do not die. There's something about the act of caregiving, and it makes all the sense in the world. Because all the things that propagate and progress the species were rewarded for. Mm -hmm. Eating is fun, right? Having sex feels good. Caregiving, you are literally rewarded. Those are the most important people I in the world. I would agree. Good. I would agree with that. Yeah? I think it's true, yeah. I think 100%. There are a lot of people. And uh, people who care for other people and get good at it, the mental and physical nuance and strain of caring for other people is difficult, and it sends a signal to the big security camera in your Amangala what? that says— What is that? Well, you do have sort of a security camera in your brain trying okay. to figure out if you're adding value. And when oh. you're at SoulCycle, it thinks you're hunting prey or building housing. And it says, you know what? <laughs> Let her stick around a little longer. When I you are doing SoulCycle last night. Let me just did say, you? Lorenzo. Sometimes it works. Let me shout out to Lorenzo. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the SoulCycle people. Works. Let me just say, some of the SoulCycle people, these millennials that are giving me life advice. There was one the other day. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name of yeah, the SoulCycle. Yeah. You're person, smiling. But did Awful. he have a corgi? No, no, no. No. Okay. no, this Lorenzo was great. He yeah. was great. He was really funny and yeah. great and super fun. Just funny. The other one was talking about their own problems yeah. and kept going. It was like a 25-year-old was like, you can change. You can it was like, no, you, you can't. No, can. Like I literally I've told I've told you my dream is to run a soul cycle class. For soul, reality, soul crushing, soul cycle, crushing right? cycle, which is like I'm going to play Madonna, <laughs> oh Adele, God. maybe some Dan Fogelberg, something I like, like it. that, I something like real. Michael weepy. Bolton, James Taylor, Michael with Michael Bolton. Bolton. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to play all those George Michael probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and play them, and then I'm going to go. Hey, you know that boyfriend? He's probably cheating on you. He's, he isn't in you. He, he is. really isn't in and you. By the way, your job, probably yeah. sexism, will hold you back by at least $20,000. Yeah. You're going to make 78 cents on the dollar. <laughs> right. And just like all these things. Yeah. And like, you know no, what? Yeah, you really are it. average. I get There's it. not that yeah. many special people. Yeah, no, yeah. him managing a I club think, really yeah. was a red flag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, okay, back to, okay, so, okay, so you, cycle, fool, you fool the brain. You right. fool the, yep. the security camera. Yep. When you're engaged at work or doing a crossword puzzle, yeah. you fool the camera into believing that you're actually making decisions for the clan. And yeah. the most important thing in the world, the most important thing that the species... The clan, really? The like, clan? We haven't been doing the clan the thing for a long time. What do you but call okay, it? whatever. I don't know. Okay, but, Your okay. people? We're not, there's um, no more clans anymore. And then going. finally, caregiving. Right, so yes. you want to live longer? Start caring for other people. All right. Okay, so we'll be back in a second with Scott Galley, who has a lot of feels today. I like this feels yeah. thing. I like this, Scott. I'm you're drunk. Usually, you're gonna, <laughs> we're going to tape a pivot there next, and you're going to like go after Mark Zuckerberg. Like, I'm like ready. Howitzer. Let the real me shine through. Yes, I know. Let the real you shine through. Anyway, Fucking and then we're going to get drunk and see what happens. We're here with Scott Galloway. His new book is called The Algebra of Happiness. It is a bit of a pivot for him. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break now, but after this, we'll talk about unhappiness, parenting, and who should read this book. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. 
Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs. The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast or find it wherever you listen. We're here with Scott Galloway. He is my podcast co-host on the Pivot Podcast, which is a increasingly popular podcast and making me happy. I know that. Um, and he has a book out called The Algebra of Happiness, which is formulas. So I want to talk about, like, what are the formulas? You talked about a little things that matter and stuff like that. What are the, what's the algebra of unhappiness? Is it just the opposite then? Loneliness? That, that, that's what it is. Well, I think disconnection, not having meaningful relationships, quite frankly, not sweating enough. Not sweating. Um, not but, problem. you know, probably, I, I, I think it, I, I go through a series of what I'll call exogenous shocks or mm -hmm. risks to our happiness. Mm -hmm. And we all have those risks and we want to kind of, if we I like can. exogenous. I there you go, right? I use that a lot. It's like my new favorite word, although someone on Twitter reminded me I use the word gestalt every 45 seconds. seconds like I, I got to stop using that. Anyways, yeah. and most of the people in our um, kind of weight class economically in our age group, I think the biggest risk to our happiness is something negative happening to our kids. I think if you talk to most people our age who yes. are in good health, the thing that has really taken them off track and literally sent them into a very serious point of stress and unhappiness for months has been when something comes off the rails with one of their kids. And I think the biggest, and this goes back to big tech, I think some of the biggest risks to people like us who are blessed with a certain level of economic security, professional happiness, hopefully a good relationship, is that one of our kids enters into this downward cycle of, of you know, depression and a lack of self-worth. And it's for a variety of reasons. I don't want to blame it all on social media. A lot of it is our fault. Mm -hmm. This concierge bulldozer parenting where we clear out all the obstacles such that we use so many sanitary wipes on our kids' lives. They no longer develop immunities. Sanitary wipes, really? Right. Oh, my God. I used to make my kitties off the floor, but go ahead. There you go. Well, <laughs> that's the problem. It's actually a pretty good thing, right? Yeah. Your oh, no. babies are supposed Cats to be a little bit eating burning. off the floor. Yeah. Yep. So, but the problem is, I think I think the biggest risk to, uh, I would say, our cohort is that their teenage kids run into trouble because they're not adequately prepared. They're physically safer than they've ever been, but they're more emotionally fragile. And I think you, the the other chaser cocktail in that that's really unhealthy is all this social media that they're engaging in. So I think the biggest risk to us, quite frankly, is. Um, one, something happens to our kids. I think it's never, it's losing the script and realizing that money and success and ambition are the means, not the ends, and we never get to the ends. Yeah, it's in your, you know, this this recent thing around the, the, the college things and everything else, It's it makes me think a lot because I tend not to help my kids that much. I help them oh. a little bit, but, and I like to do motherly things and stuff yep. like that, which I think is nice. I think it's actually they like, and I don't think it babies them in a way that's negative. But it really is interesting because I struggle with um, the idea of like doing 
do that much for them, like going yeah. to things. And like today, my son just called me. He's like, I don't want to go to this thing. It's for college and stuff right. like that. And I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah. I said, it's your trip around your the globe. I don't care. Your life. He goes, well, what should I do? I go, I don't know. You should figure it out. And I hung up. Um, so it was interesting. That's I thought good about parenting. that. I yeah. thought about it because I thought, oh, let him if he fails, he fails. That's the way it goes. Yeah, it's hard to do. I mean, we're about to put Aunt Becky in prison, and I kind of Aunt Becky's holding out. It looks like. Yeah, but that's a bad move. I know it everyone is. Else that's co- what I was everyone thinking. Everyone else copped a play. I everyone know that else. Felicity went. You Felicity's going to get going to get six months probation and, it's and a big be zero. fine. She's going to be like helping some and people in an old stick, folk home. And right. Lori's going to find out Orange is the new black. She's going to prison. Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky is 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 shower is going to mean an entirely new you thing. You know what? For that Aunt doesn't Becky. happen for girls. Just so you know, just giving you some information there. Is that All right? right? Scott, yes, it does. Do you oh my learn God. that from your prison consultants? No. Oh, let I, me have my fantasies for God's no, sakes. There's nothing like that. Oh, happening. come on. Whatever. By the way, that's my favorite genre of films: prison, women's prison films. Oh that's God. my favorite art form. There's always a young candy. Yeah. And so, there's a woman. Oh, okay, so kids. There's always a woman smoking, like the tough one, and the then she gets one. like electrified. She owns at the, the end. yard. <laughs> she owns the and yard. And at the end, <laughs> Andy Sidaris, great filmmaker. No. Um, okay, so uh, right. something happened to our kids, losing the script. Right. And then a sense of loneliness or disconnection. All right. So who do you think is going to read this book? Who, who needs it? What, are you giving it to employees? Sure. or Because like, this seems like something that they'll hand out at Google, like, <laughs> like cotton candy or something. Uh, the, audience, the audience for me Those is— Those people are, is, are robots. Is 27-year-olds starting their career. Yeah. I want them to do it. You know, I didn't have a sense of, and that was not— you know, I generally care when I was 27. I just wanted to make a shit ton of money and have sex with as many women as possible and generally be fucking awesome. Those are my mm-hmm. entire goals. And what I realized as I got older is even though I didn't get all of those things, if I could get most of them, it wasn't making me happy. So what is, if I think early on you can define, okay, so another thing, the most important decision in your life. What do you think the most important decision in your life is? Oh. Okay. Well done. You don't want to guess? Most important decision in your life. The one thing you need to nail to be happy. Should I taste this? Should I taste this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was on the floor. There it we looks go. Good. All right. We could have gone a lot of ways with that. So, anyways, I don't um, know. I don't know. I think the most important. I don't think as much as you do. The I majority, really the majority of of kids in my class, mm-hmm. they think the most important decision they're going to make is the career they choose. Oh no! And it's oh, not. I think the most important decision you're going to make in your life, full stop, is who you decide to partner with the rest of your life, or specifically who you decide to be your mate. Mm-hmm. I think the people I know, I know people who are not that successful professionally, but they have a great partnership. And the disappointments and the successes are just, just are less harsh and burn brighter Definitely. respectively. Yeah. And then I have friends who are hugely successful, blessed on every exterior metric whatsoever, live amazing lives, but they're not, they don't have a partnership. They love their husband, they love their wife, but they don't have a real sense of partnership with right. them. They're on, it's like they just have different priorities. It's yep. like their marriage it is a transaction. Over time too. Yes, it becomes a logistical. That's why I got it's divorced. It's an agreement. That's it's a transaction. No, it was a logistical company. Yeah, it's a sort of a corporation. You I manage said. this division. I manage this division. Yeah. So I think being really thoughtful early on, one, putting yourself in a ton of social situations. Go out, meet people. And in the, the, this confusing era around a lot of the you know important conversations, I encourage men. I have this cottage industry of counseling my friends, young, young boys, who because I think a lot of young men are failing. To say, I think you need to be aggressive with women. And what I mean by aggressive is go up to strange women and initiate conversation. Yeah. And when you go on a date, grab her hand. I don't think that's inappropriate. She right. will let you know if it's inappropriate. Mm. 
But I think it's important that young people put themselves out there and try and find mates. Nothing wonderful, and this is another equation, if you want outsized returns in the hedge fund industry, you have to take outsized risks. Mm -hmm. Nothing wonderful will happen to you professionally, personally, in terms of relationships, unless you take an outsized risk. I tell the story of how I met my wife. It was the middle of the day at a hotel pool. She was sitting with another guy, and I went op- and I went up and opened. What made you do that? I looked at her, and I committed to talking to her before I left. Mm-hmm. And it was uncomfortable. I was sober, which made it, it just terrifying. Mm-hmm. What, and was I, what was your line? Where are you guys from? Hi. Where are you guys from? Yeah. And my and it was at the Raleigh Hotel in Miami, yeah. and I cut to the end of the story, and I have a series of these stories in the book. My older son's middle name is Raleigh. You know, we were married. We had kids three and five years later, and we were married eight years later. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, that she's been the epicenter of the most wonderful things in my life. And I tell these kids that if you want something wonderful to happen to you, you are going to have to take an uncomfortable risk in every dimension of your life. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people aren't willing to take those risks. And That's so they— true. They punch in their weight class. And the key to punching out of your weight class professionally, economically, and from a relationship standpoint is taking uncomfortable risks. That is true. That is true. That is true. Thanks some for people that. do it intuitively and some people do not. It's hard. Some people them. are just risk takers. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, don't you think? Yeah, some people are more comfortable with it. Uh, we, in America, we actually have a gene risk taking because the majority of people who got here took mm-hmm. a risk to get That's here. That's right. I agree. And the people that kept going. Kept going west. West, and the people that stopped in the Pennsylvania people. Yeah, people in Maine, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, people in Hawaii. (laughs) It is interesting. Whoa, they're crazy. Well, no, he came. Put it all on black. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That kind of thing. All right. So I want to finish up talking just a little bit about what about unhappiness. Why is an unhappiness okay? Because I think that is. Being unhappy is all right. And I think in this society— Moments of introspection. Right. Moments of sadness. I'm going to use the broad term of unhappiness. Sadness. I guess it's true. Because I think one of the things that our society does is saying you—and it's a really interesting thing. I think about being gay and stuff like that. And there's all these images of straight people having in movies, happy, happy, and they'll (laughs) end up—you know what I mean? Like now there's like negative movies. But there's a lot of them are like you finally in the rom-com get there. Right. And so you feel like you you didn't have that, and therefore your life isn't like that. Gay people never got any of that. We always yeah. got, we always ended up committing suicide. You're having a tree fall on us. Like, so we were not. That's expect- so not true anymore. No, it's not gay anymore. It's awful. Will and now. Grace. Oh, Everybody's it's the worst so happy now. now. Although they're kind of, they're not. All gay people are quirky and fun and funny, successful. And successful, actually, right? Exactly. I know. We want to go back to our miserable. No, we do not want to go back to yeah, miserable. Yeah, We'd yeah. like a little bit of happiness. But what's interesting is the inability to deal with sadness or unhappiness. 100%. So, yeah, that I think is also, because huh? there's an algebra of sadness that's actually good for you. Yeah, and I think that a couple things. One, being in the moment the and really sadness. absorbing sadness. So I talk about, I lost the capacity, from the age of 25 to 40 for 15 years, I didn't cry once. I lost the capacity to cry. I remember even thinking when my mom passed away, it would help to cry, and I didn't know how. You mm. like you can forget how to cry. Yeah. And now I cry all the time. I Do cry you? on movies. I cry on planes. I cry talking about my mom. I well up talking about my kids. Are you gonna and cry I find right now? it. I Just, could. Okay. I literally have. I have. Contr- okay. I have. Contr- I'm good. I have behavior okay. modifications, so I don't. I start thinking about other things. Right. Mostly the medals you got for journalism. Anyways. <laughs> I could send you a picture. But crying is the really. fun award. Cry, absorbing sadness and it's crying. Is, uphill from there. Is really wonderful. Yeah. Crying feels yeah, really, really good. And I then cried in a while. Another algorithm. Oh, God, it feels great. I've cried. And Lots then another algorithm or another another equation, if you will, mm-hmm. is that the key, one of the keys to happiness is the ability to mourn and mm-hmm. then to move on. Yeah. When bad things happen to you, you yep. deserve to be sad. It's a yep. normal, healthy yep. reaction to be sad. What you have to be careful of mm-hmm. is that you don't get stuck. Right. And you need to go algebraically or mathematically 
this bad thing happened to me, right. it would make sense that I would be sad for two, three, or six months. Mm-hmm. When my mom died, I woke up two years later and realized I still hadn't gotten on with my life. Right. And so I decided to ask other people for help because I'm like, I'm stuck. Right. And I didn't like to admit is what I saw as an alpha male master of the universe dude that I should be taken off course by the death of my mother. Yeah. And it just, it didn't like, it didn't incapacitate me, but I found I just wasn't moving on. Yeah. And There's a line in Moonstruck, you know, snap out of it. Snap out of it. <laughs> I once told that to my girlfriend who was bipolar and oh, boy, no, you no. should have seen the Don't reaction I got from Don't her. Oh, should, well, wouldn't it be that fucking easy that Don't you idiot that. snap out of it? Don't do so, um, yeah, I remember once saying like, snap, I remember saying, snap out, out of it. it. But anyways, the ability to mourn and move on and also oh, Cher. recognizing— Cher has given me a lot of unhappiness. Cher has given me a lot of happiness. I saw her and San Tropez. Oh, did you? She was 90 I degrees out. I have lists out. of people who give me happiness, like Dolly Parton. Oh, come on. Dolly, Dolly gives everyone happiness. That doesn't make you unique. Kitchen um, drawer last night. Have you been to Dolly World? What's it called? Of course I have. Hello. Dollywood. Um, Anyways, Cher Forge, was Tennessee. at Sank on I'll be happy to go with you. Cher was at Sank on Sank. This oh, I love that. I know that. You know I know. That? Of course I've been there. That what are you strikes me about? as a place you would mock. I did, and yeah, I enjoyed yeah, it enjoyed completely. It's it yes. kind of fun. Are you going to Cannes this year? No, I'm refusing. Okay, anyways. I was going to say we go to Sank on Sank. Anyways, I saw Cher there. It was 90 degrees out, and she was wearing a weather jacket and a leather jacket and aviators. Oh, yeah. And like a giant wig. Yeah. I love. I respect anyone I who has the balls wig. to go on infomercials talking about shampoo and a wig. <laughs> I mean, she sold billions of dollars right, of shampoo wearing last, wigs. I'm going to get to my last part. Do you imagine they'll be, will it be able to just be happy with like drugs? You know, there'll be like adjustments either chemically or like genetic. They will get they, to a point where we like can we'll calibrate put a chip up or in down. Us. Yeah, calibrate. Shit, I don't know. I don't, and if they that do, I don't, know, I don't know if it's a bad thing. I'm not exaggerating. I, I, pl- I think a lot about end of life. Mm-hmm. I take a lot. I do this great thing called one second every day with with uh, with things meaningful things in my life, and I'm going to relive my life over and over. I'm going to do heroin, and I'm going to have my I'm going to die at home, and I'm going to have my kids around me. Wow, and boom, I'm planning. As, as as Frida said, what was it, great artist? I want my exit to be fucking glorious, and I don't want to come back, Kara. Oh, okay, all right, that's fine. Do you know what? I'm having a Viking funeral. Viking funeral. <laughs> it's in my Viking world. quest. Are you I am have... having a Viking funeral. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. There's going to be a boat. Oh, it's my gonna God. Get... And then archers are going to... You got to have All that guy. All my stuff is going to be on it because I don't want people to touch my stuff. What's his name? The Damon brother? The less famous Damon brother? I want brother? my kids to learn archery so they could do it. They're not Just very... show up? I've already explained it to them and they don't like the idea, but I want them. My, son, my one son is Come like... Come over mm. here, ye, while I debrain you. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to do the ar- archery... All my things will like be on Like the Barcelona it. Olympics where no, they shot Viking, the boat? a Viking boat with me on it on a p- funeral pyre. Do you understand? You want to be burnt? A Viking funeral? I'll be dead. What's the difference? Yeah, Everything I own will be weird. on the Viking boat. That's a little and weird. You've never seen a Viking funeral. Speaking of happiness, Game of Thrones coming out this Sunday. I will be wearing an outfit like that. That's, that gives you happiness. I can right? see it. Right, Viking I funeral. can see it. I think it's brilliant. I'm in. I'm there. You're going to be dead before that. You think? Yes, probably. Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah. get the sense you're going to live a very long time. I do too. Yeah? I already know it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, here's to your long and happy life, Kara. <laughs> short and happy. <laughs> no, you're not going to have a short life. But it is interesting to know which one of us is going to go first, right? If mm-hmm. you could know, would you want to know? Suppose sure. there's a DNA test that can tell you within like 95% confidence about what? like two to three years plus or minus. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I would do that. Time it you? out? Wouldn't you like to? I think about that all the time. I used to read comics like that all the time. The only reason I'd want to know is I would like to literally live my, leave my kids like each 100 bucks exactly. What? Here's 100 bucks. That's mean. Well, I don't know. Help me. What are you talking about? I don't know. Really? I think grit. I think grit in a sense of I've got to make it on my own. I was left a lot of money, and I'm thrilled yeah? with it, and I work really hard. So that's You know what? That's a brave thing to say. Most people would be embarrassed to say Not that. Not me. No. Good it's for you. My grandfather worked hard. He gave it this. But, you know, my brothers and I grew up very wealthy, and we actually work really hard. So really, my mother. But let me ask you this, uh, kind of back to you, because I think about this a lot. I would not, if I had been you, Mm -hmm. I would be fucking fabulous. I'd have a cocaine habit, drive a Range Rover, and be dead at 50. And I wouldn't have worked at all. And I would have loved it. And skipped a generation. My mom is on perpetual vacation, and she wanders around my house and turns all the channels to Fox News. That's what she's doing right now. But there's science there. It's usually it usually does skip a generation, and then they say, "Okay, Dad lost Grandpa's money. Now I'm going to make it back." But my question to you is how. It's, what did your mom, what happened to instill a sense of grit in you with I money? Because I wouldn't have had it. My dad it. died. I think my dad died and my mom uh, left us to our own devices on, on work, on, on school stuff. She didn't like press us. She didn't press us. I yeah, but know. not Who being knows? an involved parent gave you grit? I your mom? I was just thinking, I was thinking of the college tour recently. I, my mom's like, oh, I took you on. I'm like, no, you didn't actually. You didn't. Right? We went on our own and stuff like that. My mom's interesting. She took us to Broadway shows, so that was always a great thing. Okay, so I'm going to flip it back to you All because right. people are more we, interested then in Then we must go and take so, pivot. Okay, uh, uh, what are the things, the signals are the biggest things in your life that have taken you, that have made you happiest? And what are, you know, and what are the things that have taken you off track? Uh, I don't think they've taken me off track. I don't think I'm take. I don't think you anything. Don't think taken. of anything has taken you off no, track. No, it's like the, you know the, 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 that Indian life? story where the the horse that finds the horse. Do you know that story? I don't know it, and I'm scared to comment on it. <laughs> it's, it's a story of a brave that finds a horse, and he brings it back, and they said, oh, you're so lucky you have the horse. And then right. the, the, he falls off the horse and breaks his leg, and, oh, you're so unlucky you have the horse. And then broken leg, he can't go to war. And then they're like, oh, you're so lucky. And, he, and every time they say that about yeah. something that follows, yeah. maybe is the answer. Maybe. You don't know what anything leads to. So my dad dying was negative, but also right. it's made us in good things. So that's how I look at it. The things that are happening is my kids. I love yeah. my job. Yeah. Uh, I've had a bunch of really interesting relationships and great good ones and bad yeah. ones and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fundamentally unhappy person. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I get sad. I, I, and I also get sad when I'm sad. Yeah. And I'm not sorry about it. You know what I mean? I think that's, I'm not, I don't hide sadness. Wait, you get sad when you're sad? You meaning you get upset at how sad you are? No, what, no, no. I think people hide happy, uh, unhappiness, yeah, sadness, I and I don't. I'm like, I'm sad. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, as, don't be sad. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to be. No, right they now. see it as a sign of weakness. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. Know. No, when I was growing up, our best friend, um, my mom's best friend, a guy who was kind of like a father figure for me, killed himself. He lost his business oh. and killed himself. And everyone called it, it was so weird. They called it a nervous breakdown. We didn't even what? call it depression then. They called it a nervous breakdown. And yeah. as men, you weren't allowed to have them. Right. It was just a sign of weakness. And yeah, it's true. Men, a whole, we, that's a whole other show of how men aren't allowed to do it. I have, yeah. I'll tell you what the theory I have that makes me happy. I think the sun is going to explode someday, and the entire planet's going to be melted. And I feel great about that. Because, you're done with it. Because then you realize everything well, is sense. ephemeral. That's and then you're right. happy. Let's enjoy it. Hey, you know, the one I'm word. I'm going to start a religion. The key, there's a Latin Exploding word. sun cult. There's a Latin word for seizing the moment and enjoying happiness and joy. You know what Carpe that word, the word? No, it's Chipotle. <laughs> okay. Chipotle. Oh, Scott, as All usual. All good things in life. And now you have gone rubber band the back. And like, To superficiality. And vitamin I like water deep, and marijuana. I like deep Scott, but we're going to yeah. do superficial Scott next in our pivot. Got it. Scott, this is a great talk. I like all the feels. I like all the big emotion you're having here. Thanks for the promotion. Um, no, not promotion. It's a great book. Are you here. kidding? I'm, this I'd, will sell a dozen. 
dozen extra books at least. You know what? (laughs) Your shows are super popular for reasons that are unknown to me. Anyway, thank you so much. It's the Algebra of Happiness. What's the second part? Observations? Uh, Notes on the Pursuit of Love, Meaning, and Happiness. Okay. Meaning. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Notes on the Pursuit of Health. those observations. God, I'm sorry. You're fucking with me. Stop this. (laughs) Notes on the Pursuit of Success, Health, and Meaning. Nice. Oh, fuck. I got that wrong. It's okay. It's, it's called out. the Just Algebra the of Happiness. <laughs> Just buy the damn thing. It's called the Algebra of Happiness. Apparently, there's a formula. I, of course, failed algebra. Anyway, Scott, it was great talking to you as always. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for coming on this show. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher, where I'm spending a lot of time retweeting George Conway Scott work when you find you online. Prof Galloway mm-hmm. on Twitter, profgalloway.com. On the book, is there any special happiness? Yeah, uh, ha- the Algebra of Happiness book or algebraofhappiness.com or Prof Galloway or oh, Amazon nice. or All right, okay, we'll buy it. Anyway, now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcast, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks to listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.